0: So when it comes to building wealth, taxes are such a big part of the strategy. And even if you're already filed, being proactive about this year to lower your future liability is so important. Gelt actually provides a proactive approach to tax strategy, combining innovative technology and expert CPAs by creating personalized tax strategies for your unique financial needs of multiple revenue streams, m restricted stocks, various investments, and more. You can keep your hard-earned money our their proprietary platform ultimately gives you the full transparency of your tax management and direct communication with your CPA to reach your financial goals and grow for your wealth faster so again you know if you're interested on in this go to joingelt.com uh, and they are actually on the show notes that I'm going to be posting a very special offer for you all that you can actually enjoy so again you know join Geld.com. All righty, hello everyone, and welcome to the DealMaker Show. So super excited about the founder that we have today because he's done it so many times here. You know, like we're gonna we're gonna really enjoy this one, you know, the building, scaling, financing, and exiting. Okay. Uh, in addition to that, the uh, entrepreneur like in residence, which is a really interesting program, and that's where he's come up with the rocket ship that he's writing. Nowadays, which we're going to be diving deep into. So, without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Ronnie Sehavi. Welcome to the show. Hello, nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So, Ronnie, originally from Startup Nation, eh, how was life growing up in Israel? Give us a walk through memory lane.
1: Um, you know, uh, Israel is um, a one of the m- most innovative uh, tech hub on the planet, maybe second to Silicon Valley. There are so many um, a great technology companies that were founded in, in, in Israel uh, and become, um, a, you know, category leaders in, in many uh, in many markets. You know, Israel is very known for cybersecurity, uh, a for agriculture, a agri tech, uh, a chip, um, a, a, a manufacturing. In And so many examples, but um if you look at Israel in general and the um, are you know several generations, the first generations were um the 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 early entrepreneurs in the late eighties of the last century um and and the nineties they were all about um bringing up uh, a great technology and then selling the technology to um large American corporations such as microsoft Cisco um uh, intel uh, those kinds of uh, of players so it was about building a technology and then selling it without in- investing too much in go to market the second generation in the beginning of this century probably the 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 first 10 years of um the year of 2000 um we saw a change a shift uh, there, um there more entrepreneurs believed that uh that not only they can come up with um, an innovative technology, they can come up with innovative go-to-market, and and they become more confident um, a, in themselves that they can build uh, a great companies uh, that can be potentially can be a category of leaders uh, from from Israel. Obviously, if you're in Israel, you have to think uh, you have to think global from day one because you cannot rely on a very small market in Israel. It's only less than 10 million a, a population. Um, when you build a, a business in the U.S., uh, the U.S. market is big enough. If you build a business in Germany, it's a big enough market. Or even in Australia and Israel, you have to think global from day one. So I think there are some fundamentals and like basic ingredients that are built into the um, a, the Israeli ecosystem that um, will allow you uh, a, a, to build something really interesting with high potential. Um, the history of uh, of Israel uh, um, goes back to um, a, when the the state was founded um, in, in the late '40s in the last century. Ben Gurion, our first prime minister, uh, he made a a decision when the state was only a few years old to invest in uh, educational institutions, univer- universities. So although Israel was a very poor um, country um, a, that just uh, finished uh, the independence war, he decided to invest in building um, a tech institutions and universities in Israel. And I think that was the DNA that was embedded into what we see right now. Obviously, the uh, the military uh, and the security industry in Israel well were the ultimate incubators for uh, for innovation and and tech and tech innovation. And more specifically, so in many cases, you see that uh, people um, that ended up becoming entrepreneurs w- went through a journey with um, a, a an engineering uh, a, a military engineering background. Um, very famous. It's the a, a 8200 um the the famous engineering unit um in Israel that uh, many entrepreneurs graduated from this um uh, engineering unit and become um a, a tech leaders um I'm by the way I'm I'm exceptional I I'm, I'm not an engineer and I did not serve in this uh, engineering um, a unit but in general um you know I uh, I think the, the 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 investment in education uh, the the focus in the army all around technology and innovation and not being afraid to fail um, and thinking out of the box a team working um, you know you work in small teams and you try to solve big a problems um, you know can be specific ones can be bigger ones I think all these together got Israel. To be um, a, a very interesting country in terms of innovation, um, a, we call the startup nation. Uh, there's a famous book about um, about the tech industry in Israel, and I think the beauty uh, is that um, there are many businesses today that uh, aim to think big or dare to think big, and their inspiration is to um, to build uh, companies that can be category leaders in their in their industry.
0: And obviously for the people that are listening, you know, no surprise when, you know, we say that you studied history because you just gave us a masterful class, you know, on the whole journey, you know, on what the country has gone through. Now, in your case, you started your journey in tech in 1998 and you started there with your first company. So how do you land, you know, in, in the world of entrepreneurship
1: and especially with starting Cotendo? Yes. So, uh, as mentioned, I'm, I'm not an engineer, uh, but my first job in tech uh, in uh, 1998 was in a a, co- a company named ComTouch, a web-based email company. Uh, back in the days, uh, they were try to be, they try to build um, a, an alternative to web-based email. You know what you got from uh, Yahoo and, and other companies. And my first job was uh, VP HR, which I connect the dots today because HiBob is all about um, HR tech. Uh, so I, I started as a VP HR a, a, in, 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 in my first company. Um, I was not the founder, but I was um, a, a VP. And then I realized that um, a, I find it more uh, interesting and more challenging and it was more attractive to me to try to see if I can do well in sales and business development. So the founders of Comtouch allowed me to switch my career and basically move from being um, a VP HR uh, to be uh, a a SDR uh, in the early days and then develop my skills into sales and business development. And then I ended up um, running um, the, the sales and the business development for Comtouch for uh, five years, it were, I was responsible for the international a, a, a go-to-market um, in uh, in Comtouch. Uh, and then in 2007, um, I realized that um, I want to try it for myself. Um, I was not sure that I can be um, a, a CEO. I was not sure that I can be a founder. But uh, I had a drive. Um, you know something inerentic that um, uh, was basically pushing me to try it, um, and I uh, co-founded Cotendo with uh, a, two co-founders, both techie uh, engineers, <coughs> and we built Cotendo. Cotendo was uh, in the CDN sp- CDN space, content delivery network. We raised capital from um, Sequoia Capital. We raised from Benchmark and Tenaya Capital. Um, and the idea was to disrupt the CDN market with um, a next generation technology that uh, we have built. Um, it was basically a technology that allow, allowed us uh, to deliver content dynamic content and static content in a very efficient way without the need to deploy so many point of presence and you know uh, and agreements with um, endless uh, teleco- telcos all around the world to deliver the content, um, and uh, it was a very successful journey. I relocated to the U.S. Uh, and so a year after the company was founded, I moved with my family. You know, took took um, a risk, um, a, and moved my family to the Silicon Valley. And but was um, a, a phenomenal uh, success. The company was um, acquired by Akamai after uh, three and a half years on the road uh for an exit of um a three hundred million a dollar a, and and the day after i became um a a, a a a senior vice president with akamai
0: see and obviously with some you know cash in your pockets so so give us a walk through memory lane there on the on the actual process like how did the process of this acquisition come about because first company three hundred million exit is it's pretty significant. So how did that whole process happen? Make us make us an insider in there.
1: Yeah. So um in, we were um in the uh, we 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 considered Akamai, you know, back in the days as uh, as the enemy. Um so what can we do? That was the question, to maybe be on par with them. So so to allow customers to evaluate uh, us as as a valid alternative to Akamai. That was the the original a um, a vision that we had, um, and we knew that we will do well in uh, execution. I think it was in two thousand and ten, we signed uh, a strategic partnership with AT and T, uh, and basically AT and T uh, ended their CDN, the in house CDN solution, and basically. Move to um, they 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 white label our CDN offering and they will start selling um, a, our platform to you know big accounts uh, all over uh, the US and then we did very well also in Europe and in in Japan and in Australia uh, so uh, and the business was growing very nicely uh, and, and we knew that we are we become uh, a threat to the business. It's not that we won the deals against them all the time, uh, but we were able to come in and to reduce, um, you know, customers used us to reduce the price of Akamai if they ended up not coming uh, with us. Uh, but then down the road, we did a very good job. Facebook was a customer of Kotendo uh, when it was a, a tiny a startup with only 100 million users. Uh, I'm talking about two thousand and ten. Uh, Twitter was uh, a a customer of um uh, of uh, Cotendo um uh, and some other uh, and some other names and at some point uh Akamai decided to uh, I mean they, they sue us um a, with a three a patent infringements um that they claim that um a, that we are infringing their um, their patents. Um, and, and and it was a, a validation that uh, if they sue you, it means that um, you are a meaningful player. So I remember um, a, a phone call I got from my investors at Sequoia, basically saying, "Congratulations! It will this is the, probably the the most expensive marketing campaign you will do because of the lawyers, but uh, you are number two in the market because." They they sue you, um, and by the way, um, Akamai, you know, I'm talking about um, 15 years ago, um, they had a strategy that um, they 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 sue companies and they and then they acquire. Mm. Um, it was um, it was um, a great move for Akamai. Um, by the way, I found um, a fantastic uh, team, um, HQ in Boston, um, really smart people and uh, but, but and you get a different perspective about uh, running a startup versus you know joining um, a large corporation you know selling yeah. at um, billions of dollars um and so um uh, so and then at the end i was running the security business unit for akamai and uh in 2014 um i decided um, it was a little bit less than 2 years after the acquisition I decided to leave, and then I uh, I joined the uh, teammate uh, the cybersecurity incubation um a, for um, a again less than 2 years and then I decided that uh, security is not something that um uh makes me excited and and then I left and joined uh, Bessemer Bessemer Venture Partners as an entrepreneur in residence and Hybo was born Um, in the incubator uh, within within Bessemer in the beginning of 2015.
0: Hey, guys, this episode is brought to you by .tech domains. I mean, obviously, if you're a startup or an entrepreneur, you got to be super careful on how you go about your presence and how you get the catchy domain. And that's why I recommend .tech domains as the go-to place to really get your own domain. Uh, A good example here is Aurora.tech which is an innovative brand that has the .tech domain associated to it. Aurora.tech actually works at the intersection of rigorous engineering to address one of the most challenging issues of our generation, which is transforming the way that people and goods move. It is set to launch Horizon, which is Aurora's first autonomous service that's designed to bring safety value and efficiency to carriers and fleet owners. I've actually arranged an amazing deal for all of you, And that is you can get your one-year domain for $10 or a five-year domain for $50. Just go to go.tech forward slash dealmakers. And that's, again, go.tech forward slash dealmakers to get your own. Talk to us about, you know, some of the criterias when founding a company, because I'm sure that you were really thinking about team technology and market when you came up with HiBob. So talk to us about this and then talk to us about how this was implemented for HiBob to come to life.
1: In general, I, I recommend entrepreneurs to think about three criterias. Number one is the market. And number one, in terms of priority, how big is the market you want to go after? Uh, Obviously, if you go after a niche market, a small market, it may be a a, a, a must-have, but then you lose flexibility because the market is not big enough. Uh, you cannot pivot. Uh, there is no real flexibility to uh, to change um, a, and 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 to recalculate your journey if if you if you're about to hit the wall. So the bigger the market is. You know the 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 higher potential when it comes to high bulb. We knew that uh, the the market in general, um, and the fact that um, many companies on the planet will have to um, hire, employ, pay salary to employees. This is endless uh, opportunity. So from our perspective, we tick the box, huge market, um, and then we say, okay, let's go after it. The second element is. Um a, the team. How how great is the team? It starts with the founders. My recommendation never do it by yourself. It's very hard. Always try to do it with a, a, a co-founder or more than one co-founder. When we founded HiBob, we were four co founders, two left um in, in the early days. Um, and in, in it was me and my co founder and CTO, Israel David. And the third element um, is technology. Can you really come up with an innovative approach um, a, that the barrier to entry is is high? Um, and then you need to ask yourself all the time: when the problem I'm trying to solve is it um, a must-have a a problem uh, that you can solve for businesses, or it's a nice-to-have? You know, this scale between a nice-to-have. And a must-have is very important, and you will learn only when you talk to clients, only when you interview uh, prospects um, about 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 the two options. Uh, Again, on one on one side, if it's a nice-to-have solution, then you may find challenges down the road. If it's a must-have, you need it. You need it tomorrow. You want to pay for it, And 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 most likely you will pay more for a better solution then you have a clear path for uh for for success. Now HiBob uh ticks um from my perspective, Hybob ticks all the boxes. Um huge market, um a great um a a technological and product team um and then and then um and then the technology. Um and and, and we are on a mission to transform how people and in, in organization operate in the modern world of work. So if I go back to um, the way we have analyzed the market um, in early to- 2015, uh, bear in mind it was before COVID. It was before all the craziness that we see today everywhere. Um, we thought that the generation transformation, the fact that um, new a type of uh, employees will be do- will dominate um, the way people work. You know, it's basically uh, the the Y generation, the Z generation. Their expectations about work is different. You know, my father and my generation live to work, and my children generation is looking to work while they live. That's the big difference between the approach that we have seen before. Um, You know, uh, you work nine to five, you work in in office, you work full time, you work in main cities. That was the major. Uh, themes on on the way people were working for decades, and and then we thought that the generation transformation will have an impact on those themes. And um, and when we design Bob the platform, Bob is the name of the platform. Hi, Bob is the name of the company. When we designed Bob, we thought that um, we need to come up with something completely different. So we looked at the the big. Um, HIS or uh, human capital management systems such as Workday or Oracle, uh, SAP Success Factors, ADP, um, a Sage in the in, in the UK. They were all designed um, before the new generation was even was, was even born. And, 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 and we we understood and we thought that will be the reality that the 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 experience the employee experience will be different. With this new generation, for example, um, a contingent workforce um, was a phenomenon that um, has to be taken into account. Flexible work, uh, remote work, even before COVID, and then and when the pandemic um, was really making a huge impact on on the way people work. Remember, in um, somewhere in uh, April, 2020. 1.3 billion people on the planet were forced to work remotely within two or three weeks. This didn't happen before, um, and 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 then um, the, the 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 expectations from 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 platforms were um, really uh, to try to support this uh, new normal. Um, so work remote, uh, a a flexible working um uh, a, a, you know, um, all the things that um, were on steroids during the pandemic um, were something that uh, we thought um, a, a, or we expected that to happen. So we were uh, the right company with the right technology at the right time to basically give a, a fantastic um, offering and solution. A must have, again, going back to the nice to have and a must have. A must-have to, uh, uh, to our customers and our clients. Um, and then, since um, um, I would say mid 2020, uh, the company um, started to grow. Uh, uh, today, we serve um, 35, almost 3,500 uh, customers uh, all around the world. We have um, a, almost 800 employees. We have offices in Sydney, Australia. In Tel Aviv, in Amsterdam, in Berlin, in London, in Lisbon, in New York, um, and we have um, engineering centers in Ukraine, in Romania, in Croatia. Um, so all in all, a very strong team uh, that uh, basically um, allows us to um, aim, aim, aim to innovate. And then, and then, if you ask me, what was so unique about us? So you know. Obviously, there are many players in this industry. Sweet players, I mentioned a few names, but also Point Solution. You can find hundreds of um, of um, vendors that focusing only on recruitment, or only on learning and development, or only on payroll. Um, so what's so what was so unique about um, about the value proposition we brought to the game? Um, and and there are two things to expand it. One, we were the first player in this industry. To come up with what we call a system of engagement. So for, for decades, um, HRIS were built to be system of record. You're an employee. Uh, you need to be paid. You need to you need to be tracked on your PTO and time and attendance. So many records related to you, uh, forced by regulations and compliance. Um, so the the industry was built around system of record and then automation. Um, around around records, uh, system of engagement. This is the innovation we brought to the table. Was basically saying that um, employee experience is the most important thing. So basically, from thinking only about organization, it was or the organization centric. Uh, we thought that the shift will be people centric, and and engagement means that um, it has to be beautiful to the eyes. It has to be welcoming. It has to be easy to use. It has to be intuitive. (laughs) But most importantly, the audience are not only the HR department and the finance team. The audience are employees and their line managers and their directors or C-suite. So a platform that will be able to engage with all the people in the organization will win the game. Um, And then, obviously, um, before AI was a big buzz, we implemented um, cool technology. Um, we started with machine learning and then uh, artificial intelligence that um, allows us to um, a, a, to innovate. And then the definition of the market um, that we were uh, focusing on was what we call the three M's. So the first M was mid-sized businesses, you know, uh, companies with around um, about hundred employees more or less to a few thousands of employees let's say 5000 7000 employees that the first m the second m was modern businesses you know companies with modern mindset um use modern uh, technologies you know um, I don't know, they use Okta um aim, aim for security they use Slack for collaboration or Teams for or Teams for collaboration the title of the head of hr is chief people officer uh, as opposed to manpower managers, really easy indications to see if a business has a modern mind. Do they care about uh, DNI, yes or no? Um, and the third M was multinational businesses. So the, the market that we are focusing on is basically um, a group of, uh, it's a huge market, it's a group of uh, customers all around the world. That the current solution either too big for them, you know, um, um, or it is too small for them. So th- we discovered um, a an underserved market where it was too small for the big ones and it was too big for the for the small ones. These are the three M's, and we focus on this market. So today, our strategy that every business on the planet that fits um, into those three M category should be our customer.
0: Now now in this case, you know, you guys have also raised quite a bit of money. How much capital have you guys raised to date?
1: Uh four hundred and twenty-five million since the company was founded.
0: That's incredible.
1: I mean what you guys have been
0: able to build is absolutely remarkable. Now if I had the opportunity, you know, because incredible journey you know that you've had as an entrepreneur here, Ronnie, and, uh, you know, already, you know, your second, you know, company and I mean, third company, but but this one, obviously, you know, a really big uh, success already. If I was to put you into a time machine and bring you back in time, and I was to bring you back in time to that moment that you were thinking about maybe starting something of your own, you know, back in nineteen ninety eight, and you were able to give that younger self one piece of advice before launching a business, what would that be, and why, given what you know now?
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a great question. Um, I think the recommendations start first of all with um, you know looking into yourself. Um uh, do you have the um, the the resilience uh that needed? It's it's emotional, it's intellectual resilience to deal with the ups and downs. That's why I recommended not to do it by yourself and and, and co-found the business. So you have uh you have a group of people. Uh, a, to help you uh, in the journey, the ups and downs are, you know, happening every day. Sometimes, you know, you know, every hour, uh, because you can't control what's happening around you. So, if you think that um, you have um, the the characteristics um, and the courage and the resilience that um, a, that uh, will allow you. To to go into this journey, then then do it. By the way, if you don't if you don't know, go and talk to a, a entrepreneurs who did it before, and try to learn as much as you can from their ex, from their experience. You know, how does it feel to be uh, at the up, and how does it feel to be um, at the down? You know, talking about the ups and downs, and how you manage yourself, and how you balance yourself between the ups and the downs. So one goes to you as individual uh with with the question then obviously experience um is is important so my recommendation is surround yourself with um with a great um a people that um did it before uh and that can give you a smart advice how to do it the second thing is um don't do it by yourself and then the third one is be very focused on answering the questions you have about the business. Obviously, as an entrepreneur, you're biased. You're in love with your idea. Uh, you really believe in in, in in the problem you try to solve. But you need to be very careful uh, by listening to the feedback you get from uh, prospects and customers and, and, and market uh, experts and industry leaders, basically to help you validate if the answers that you are hearing are basically leading you to the right conclusion about the business. For example, is it a nice to have solution or is it a must have? It's very clear must have solution means that there is a big problem that um, everybody wants to solve it. And even though there is an existing problem, if you can solve it in a different way, um, less cost effective or or, um, a, or a, you know, easy to use or whatever, then they will choose you and they will pay you, or even they will pay you more than what they pay for the other. If it's a nice to have, then who cares? Um, and you need to be extremely uh, disciplined and open minded to hear those feedback. And by the way, it's during the journey, it's not only at the beginning. Whenever you move into a new market or you launch a new model, you you go again to the basic and 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 really listen to the market feedback. So you need to you need to know how to ask great questions, but more importantly to listen to the answers. Now it starts with you as an entrepreneur, and then you need to make sure that your um your management team, your organization, you know the team leaders, um, uh, they're all adopting the same DNA when it comes to um uh, a, a, to um. Uh, to a great dialogue between entrepreneur, management, company, and the market. If you don't do it right, you will hit the wall, no doubt. And then hitting the wall costs you money, frustration, and you lose because you are not tracking the right opportunity.
0: I love that. So, Ronnie, for the people that are listening, that would love to reach out and say, hi, what is the best way for them to do so?
1: Um, a, number one, Ask yourself, are you ready? Uh, number two, um, go and talk to the people who did it before. They will help you come up with the right questions about the business. They will, the, the right question will challenge um, your idea, the way you look at the idea. And then get people experts that can help you validate the answers. Uh, so, for example, you think that uh, building a, 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 a model is, uh, is a killer. and and you're really solving a big problem, then you need to verify it by listening to customers. By the way, five is not enough. Ten is not enough. I'm talking about uh, 20, 30, 50 discussions with customers. By the way, my recommendation is to record the sessions, if you can, of course, and then listen again to the the question you've asked uh, and also to the answers uh, you've got um then, um, if it's up to you, choose the right investors. Um, I was lucky in my career to have a really fantastic investors um a investors uh and entrepreneurs. This is a Catholic wedding. you cannot divorce. they are with you uh till the end uh, till the hopefully till the exit and you want to choose first of all great people. Uh, and you should do your reference checking on on in the specific partners um talk to other entrepreneurs uh who worked with this uh, investor before and also uh who is the brand um and can do they have deep um, pockets can they really support you are they are they new in the market yes or no uh so choosing investors is is critical um it, it's not an easy one because um sometimes you cannot choose um, the investor, because you you go with uh, whoever is giving you money but it is, it is something that you need to take into account uh, and, and and don't forget at the end of the day you have only one venture to execute and to win an investor has a portfolio so if it 's not you it may be um, maybe two other uh, businesses that they invested in, and for you it's it's only this you live or you die on 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 your venture.
0: I mean, the biggest decision for sure. And obviously, you know, like Ronnie, very active on LinkedIn and perhaps in other platforms. So I guess, eh, Ronnie, I just want to, you know, thank you on behalf of the listeners, you know, also myself for really taking the time to be with us. It has been an honor to have you on the DealMaker show. Thank you so much, Ronnie. Thank
1: you. It was a pleasure talking to you.
0: If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value,